cricket Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs but they never win Two flags in 100 years That shit house if you think we'll be insightful Clever or just well researched to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are two guys, one car It is Tuesday October the 20th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL-adjacent podcast. It's grand final week. We said we'd never make it, but we did. October the fucking 20th. That's when we made it. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. Yes, it's grand final week. It's awards season. A lot of clubs that have finished their uh, campaigns are, are handing out awards. And Will, a favourite of our show... Uh, Jake Lloyd, Sydney Swan, has won his second best and fairest. Second? Second. Second best and fairest. Yeah. Was it him or was it just some other bloke from Sydney and they don't know who Jake Lloyd is either? Well, a lot of people uh, contacted us via social media to let us know that Jake had won his second and attached to his photos. And uh, firstly, I'll say that still no clearer on who this guy is, having looked at many photos of him sent to me. Um, but the photos I did see... Jake, Jake Lloyd would make a great secret agent because he's one of those guys that, like, you'd be like, who was it, sir? Who was it that passed on that information to you? And you're like, uh, was he tall or short? You'd be like, I'm not really sure if I can remember. Did he have a beard or a moustache or was he clean-shaven? Again, I think he might have had facial hair, but I'm not sure. Well, from the photos I saw, if, if the police asked me for a description, I'd say he looks like an old-timey barkeep. He looks like a bartender uh, 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 from um, um, Unforgiven or Tombstone. We actually went to the awards night on a penny farthing. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that, but that is the only way. He goes to every game. That's his pre-match ritual, Jake Lloyd. He, he rides his penny farthing down to the game, makes, makes everybody in the rooms a cafe latte, and then goes out there and wins the best and fairest. Well, I think, too, the thing about this victory for him is it puts him like in the top five swans ever. Here we go. So, right. Um, he's only got... He's won one less best and fairest than Adam Goods, Jared Healy, and uh, Josh Kennedy. So, <laughs> he's won one best and fairest off being an elite Sydney swan who you and I still don't know who he is. Not even really sure what position he plays in. I think Jared Healy style, because Jared Healy, of course, famously, as mentioned, ad nauseum on this podcast, quit... Uh, AFL football at still the peak of his powers because he wanted to protect his hands uh, because he was a physiotherapist yeah. and he thought it was really important he was also, for the rest of his career. He was a big fan of, that he, of um, Doctor Strange comics and he knew what happened to Doctor Strange and he was like, I don't want to have to become some master of the mystic arts after football. I'd like to be a chiropractor. But, but he did become a master of the mystic arts. The mystic arts of commentating on football. And just being the voice of football. The great irony of Jared Healy quitting so he could become a physiotherapist is he didn't spend a fucking day doing physiotherapy for the rest of his 40-year fucking career. <laughs> because that was all the, that, was, done. that was the devil's bargain he made with Beelzebub. <laughs> he did become a master of the mystic arts, you're right. He has the power to interpret Jonathan Brown. Ooh. 
I mean, what King is doing in the lab, you know, is pretty much the same shit that all Doctor Strangers, like Wong. King is Wong. He's in there with all his charts and his graphs. And Jared, Doctor Strange, as they call him down at the Fox 40 offices, Doctor Strange Healy, he has to interpret all those mystic arts. What's Doctor Strange's headquarters called? It has like, isn't it called like the Magitarium or something like that? Doctor Strange headquarters. It's got a, it's got a, it's got a... This is Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL-adjacent podcast. This is grand final week, and we're starting with comparing Jared Healy to Doctor Strange. Well, much like... (laughs) His office is the Sanctum Santorium, which sounds like something that David King would uh, analyse stats inside, (laughs) the Sanctum Santorum. Sanctorum. A lot of people don't know that, yes, Fox Footy calls it the couch, but Jared Healy always refers to it as, come on, boys, let's take a seat in the Sanctum Sanctorium. <laughs> Sanctum Sanctorium actually sounds like the disease that will be ravaging players in the AFL next year. Yeah, It'll the, be the new syndesmosis. <laughs> in fact, syndesmosis actually sounds like something Dr. Strange says in one of his fucking spells. Now, Sanctum Sanctorum sounds like uh, a player, like he plays for North Melbourne or something, and Brian Taylor deliberately mispronounces his name just because, you know, he can't be bothered learning to get the correct pronunciation. This whole idea that Jared Healy is Dr. Strange is actually making a lot more sense because it's always <laughs> Jared Healy who is the first person to identify all these new diseases. And I always thought it was yep. his background as a physiotherapist. He knows all the official terms. But what I realise is he's been just casting gentle spells because every one of these diseases sounds like something you'd say before you cast a spell. Syndesmosis. Yep. Like if a magician came out and went, in a Harry Potter movie, they just went, syndesmosis osmosis some shit would happen and also osteitis pubis yeah they are both spells <laughs> well i think what you're pointing out is they're both latin will <laughs> yeah <laughs> but when they say a player's been out for a spell maybe they've been at some sort of <laughs> afl academy slash hogwarts is there a chance to get in the afl academy you have to run towards a brick wall and hope that it opens up into a new dimension <laughs> um now, I, uh, I'm on holiday, so I only saw one game. I saw half of one game this weekend, which, just like Kane Corns, though, it won't stop me from having an opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I saw half of the Richmond Port game, and I saw nothing of the Geelong-Brisbane uh, game. So maybe you can walk me through your impression of both games, and, and I'll chime in Kane Corn style with some hot takes. Uh, well, I watched one and a half games. I can't claim that I watched all of the two games, but I watched um, pretty much all of the Port Adelaide uh, match against Richmond. And here's my impression. The Port Adelaide probably should have won, but they snatched at it. They, when the moment came, they had about seven minutes in the final quarter where they had all the momentum and all they really needed to do was have some composure and everybody just wanted to win it too much. And it was just one of those moments where Richmond, the old pros yeah. who knew not to have to try as hard, they just held their nerve and Port Adelaide just wanted it too much. Yeah, so I saw the second half when Port were within, I think it was around about 12 points or something, around about the third quarter. And it is exactly that. There were so many half chances that you're just like, God, if you just had you know lowered your eyes a bit or given a handball off in that moment. But... Geez, Richmond are good to watch. Like, you're right, use the word old pro, and that's what they're like. They're like a boxer who just has good ring sense, you know. They're just not going to be pressured. They won't be rushed into mistakes. They're explosive when they need to be. Having said all that, 
we've talked a lot this year about two guys, one cup, like our math, how we arrive at certain conclusions based on the mottos of a team. And I said last week that Richmond have an axe to grind with Port and they have an axe to grind with Brisbane. But the one team that I thought could get them would be Geelong because it's reversed in that instance. Geelong had the axe to grind with Richmond. Now, I'm very excited. You know, we've talked storylines all year and this one was the old gunslinger. This is the, the two old Victorian gunslingers come out and duke it out. And the two best Victorian teams of the last 10 years. Because, yeah. like, if you put Hawthorne's success into – well, the first – I guess they're the kind of first half of this last decade. Mm-hmm. But Geelong and Richmond. And Richmond have, like, enjoyed the spoils more often than Geelong. But Geelong have got the, you know, the best record home and away. They make the finals so consistently, but they haven't been able to do it. And Richmond, you know, well, no, we don't need to tell people how good Richmond have been. But mm-hmm. it feels to me, having watched both games, and I'm skipping ahead a bit, but having watched both games, my impression going into grand final day is that Richmond are probably the team that is most likely to just get shit done. Yeah. But Geelong's Geelong's best is better than Richmond's best. Mm-hmm. So I think, really? I think, think if Geelong... Right? Yeah. I think if Geelong play it... If the both teams play at their best... Geelong win if Richmond are able to get Geelong not to play at their best they don't have to play at their best to win does that make sense so yes. like if you if you start them both evenly if it was a sprinting race yep. and you just let them run 100 meters I think Geelong wins I just think when they're up and about they are irrepressible but I think that Richmond doesn't need to go in a head-to-head race. Mm. Richmond needs to shut down what's good about Geelong. And then I think in the same way as they've done in most of the finals, they can just shut down the good bit of the other team and then get shit done around it. I just feel like Richmond's advantage, and I agree with everything you said, but I feel like Richmond's one advantage is they are a much more explosive team. Like uh, Geelong are a high-possession team. They like to control the ball in the air. But Richmond have more of those kind of mercurial... You know, Sydney, uh, Shane, uh, Shy Bolton, um, uh, Edwards, kind of guy, uh, Dusty Martin, guys who can pop up and do some really explosive things and in a short period of time pile on goals. So for me, I feel like Richmond just have to match it with Geelong inside, in the air, control their tools, and then just have little moments. Like they don't have to go 100 miles an hour every quarter, every minute of every quarter. They just need to stay with them, and then had those little bursts. Well, you know what I think excited me about Geelong was I think Brisbane are a good team, and they managed to make Brisbane look like an ordinary team. Yes. To be honest, the scoreline flattered Brisbane in, mm. the, in the end. Like, Geelong could have won that by 60 points if, it, you know, ball had bounced a different way a couple of times. Like, they were – they made Brisbane look like kids – it really reminded me in some ways of when the Bulldogs last season flew into the finals and then GWS just made us look like <laughs> boys who didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. And it was a little bit like that watching Geelong play Brisbane. And the thing that makes me... There were great moments by their champions. Dangerfield had some really fucking great moments. Hawkins had some great moments. There was a quarter by Ablett, two goals by Gary Ablett that was just mm. like vintage Gary Ablett and he's had a good quarter in the last two finals like if Gary Ablett could play a half like that if Dangerfield can play three quarters instead of a half if Tom Hawkins can have a big game I think the thing that excites me about Geelong is that Menangola, Guthrie, these guys 
are all playing out of their fucking skins. Like Geelong won the other night off the back of that next rung of players. And if that next rung of players can play as well as they've been playing and then their absolute out and out fucking champions can... Because there's a few of them that are going out, you know? There's Mm. a few of them that are like, this is literally, you know, the last time they're going to do it. And Gary Ablett doesn't have to leave anything on the table. Like Harry Taylor, you know, doesn't have to leave anything on the table. And yet... Yeah, it's it's an exciting game. Like seeing those two big Victorian teams play two in Brisbane in this season that was like, I'm excited about the grand final. Uh, I, I said I'd be excited whatever way it went. But now that this is what we've got, yeah, it feels right that Gary Ablett gets to go out with a grand final. It feels right that Patrick Dangerfield gets to play in a grand final and we get to see, you know, Dusty up against... Patrick Dangerfield and almost as that next generation is taking over. Yeah. Like, you know, you do think that Brisbane and Port have got better days in front of them. You look at the Brownlow and it's Lockie Neal's time now and it's Christian Bratarka's time now and it's like, you know, Jack Steele's time now. These last these big stars of our game deserve let's celebrate them one more time before we move on to this next generation where we're yeah, talking about Lockie Neal and Petrarca and Matt Rowell and you know, all these guys as being the champions of the game. Let's get to see Ablett and Danger and Dusty and like, you know, all those guys on the big stage. Tom Lynch and Tom Hawkins, you know, at different ends. It's, it really is a very exciting game. Would you say, Will, it's a, a kind of like a last dance uh, <laughs> for the Geelong team? I, you don't understand the amount of times in the last four minutes I've tried to avoid <laughs> saying the words last dance. I literally twice have got myself in a sentence that would only logically finish with last dance and I've edited it myself. You said, um, you know, there's a bunch of players who don't, um, you know, they won't, there's no need for them to leave anything, you know, uh, in the change rooms. They're just going to give it, give their all. If Geelong do win, I would like to see Harry Taylor like jog to the middle of the Gabba, pull down his socks and pull out two slices of ham <laughs> from his socks and lay them in the middle of the Gabba before running off to do a lap of honour. I would say let's go a step further. Firstly, I love your thinking, but I think your vision's just... This has been a season where we've got to celebrate difference. And I say, uh, because this is the grand final that will be closest to Christmas of any, he not only pulls out two slices of ham from his socks, but he goes down the front of his trousers and pulls out a perfectly glazed Christmas ham. I mean, I would love if then you see John Longmire step over the fence and jog out to the ground and he reaches into his pants and he pull, also pulls out like an entire turkey and everyone's like, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> like it's a turducken. That's what John Longmire's is like. No, you're right. It's, um, it's, it's an exciting grand final. I feel like Brisbane, without having seen the game, I did watch the highlights. But you've just got to wonder, like, God damn, would they have, will they ever have an opportunity like they had this year where they played most of their games yes. at home? You know, next year. They're going to play the grand final. Well, do you think it'll still be at the Gabba next year? I think that there's a chance we still play in hubs, you know, for at least part of next year. But no, I mean, the home thing, absolutely they won't. But I still look at that team. And perhaps they get Danaher to add to the forward line and they get an extra year into people. I just don't see that team going backwards. I only see them going forwards. And they've got close. They won, yeah, lost. They finished one of the best teams in the competition last year, lost the finals. They won a final this year. They got to a prelim. They had a crack at it and they'll learn from this and they'll come back better next year. Joe Danaher going to Brisbane and just recently uh, 
uh, Jeremy Cameron announced that he wants to go to the Cats. So how's that uh, yeah. free agency going? Yeah, well, uh, Joe Danaher wants to go to Brisbane because uh, Dennis uh, Pagan is worried that um, uh, too many of the Brisbane players are getting big heads and he wants to even it out. So. <laughs> Dennis Pagan, Chris Pagan. I feel bad about that joke because I realized the other day when I was tweeting something that Joe Danaher, Danaher follows me on Twitter. <gasps> so then I really you. felt like bad that we've made jokes. Well, that's yeah. how much, that's all it takes. <laughs> Jake Lloyd just needs to follow me on Twitter and I'll be right across Jake Lloyd. Are you surprised that Jeremy Cameron has decided to leave GWS? No. He loves fishing. We know that from his pocket profile. Maybe it's uh, the, dan- the, the, the chance of playing at the Cats, but also the chance to go fishing with danger. I think that's absolutely the number one reason. Like, you know, Geelong already have a spearhead. Yes, it's a spearhead they're transitioning out of, but Tom Hawkins was, you could probably argue, one of the best three to five players in the league this year. So it's not like you're going to a club where there is a big hole for the job that you do. You're going to have to sit back and be the number two for a couple of years while the, you know, the big bull's still in the paddock. So I think the only reason that he's going to Geelong has got to be the opportunity that Paddy Dangerfield's lured him in. And I use that word absolutely correctly because it is all about the fishing. Sure. Sure. Ben Cunnington's out there with a boat as well (laughs) going, we've got a great big hole at full forward, mate. You you know what? You can play full forward, forward pocket, uh, center half forward, all in the one game. We don't have enough players. I read an interesting article um, online about uh, this discussion around free agency and whether or not you know it's uh, it's it's becoming a, a negative thing in football because so many of these uh, free agents are going to successful clubs. You know, no one. The idea was being well, if you're a middle mid range club or a low club that's got a you know big war chest, you can get a star and, and rebuild faster. Yeah, but. That has worked sometimes, yeah. but more often than not, what you get is players going mm. for success. Yeah, it turns out that a player who's spent the first half of their career at some club that has had no success doesn't want to go to a club that has less chance of success. Who would have <laughs> fucking thought? I mean, it amazes well, that, me it's turned out this way. Well, uh, what I what I thought was interesting about the article was they were saying that in AFL it is quite unique to take... Well, AFL in terms of other international sports that its champion player would be willing to take a pay cut at the chance of personal glory. They're talking about the NBA and the NFL and stuff. And generally, I mean, I guess because the money is so much larger, it's like, well, if you're going to get 50 million to go play for the Minnesota Timberwolves, you'll go to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I was just wondering why that is. Is that just like, is that more of a cultural thing or is that just because the money, it's not astronomical money. So what's the difference between say, you know, a couple hundred thousand or something? I think we value team success over individual success. It's the fact that, you know, we've talked about this before, that a player's career can be judged on how many premierships they've won, you know, despite the fact that they've been like an out and out. I mean, Dangerfield is a good example of this, right? Like, He's clearly been one of the top three players in our game for the last five plus years. But the fact that he hasn't won a premiership is an asterisk against his career in some people's eyes. And so Mm. I think that it's partly to do with the fact that there's 18 players on the field. Whereas in like the, you know, NBA, for example, there's, there's five. So it's much more focused on the individual. Whereas like with 18 players, we focus more on the team. Yeah, it's interesting with Danger though, because his switch wasn't really about chasing success. Again, or, or it was about fishing. There's one thing that we value more <laughs> <Mox Creek. laughs> money and fucking, it is the fact that you can go fishing from Mogs Creek. Um, so, uh, 
Caleb Daniel won the dogs best and fairest. Yeah. Been lots of photos of him without his helmet on and a lot of discussion around how good looking he is. Everyone yes. is catching up to the fact that Caleb Daniel is a good looking cat. He is dog, the quint- He literally <laughs> is the quintessential, you know, hot girl who takes off her glasses and fucking shakes yeah. out her hair. He Do you think t- takes off that helmet hel- and everybody's like, but 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 you're beautiful. <laughs> So maybe the helmet isn't really about protecting him from yeah. concussion. It's really so he doesn't distract. It's protecting other players from his Doesn't distract beauty. his teammates. Like his teammates Bob. have demanded, like the man in the iron mask, <laughs> that he has to wear that helmet so that they don't get distracted just staring at how beautiful he is. It really is remarkable. Like I, I, maybe it's because the helmet has stopped him getting like, you know, all those broken noses and, you know, cut, cuts in the face that other players might get. But it's just like... Look, and look, I'm not trying to be heightest here, but if he was a taller man, he could be a catwalk model. <laughs> He's got the most to lose, I think, is what we've identified. Like, we think of the idea that you wear a helmet because of concussion, but he doesn't need to protect his brain. He needs to protect his beautiful, beautiful, his beautiful face, face because that's his moneymaker for years to come. So he has gone into those games just going, well, other people can afford to... Like, Joel Selwood, imagine... Like, he bleeds from his face in every post-match interview I've ever seen in my life. Like, if he'd started as beautiful as Caleb Daniel, he's that's like destroying a Da Vinci. Like, you know, yeah. you can't let a kid finger paint on top of your Da Vinci. And that's how Caleb Daniel's got to think when he looks in the mirror. You know what Joel Selwood looks like? You know, with the Peanuts cartoon, like, the longer it went on and the older Charles Schultz got the more sort of jagged Charlie Brown's head would get. (laughs) Like Charlie Charlie Brown's head's meant to be a perfect circle. But then the older he got, they just got more jagged. That's what Joel Selwood's face looks like. When you see him, there's just like all these weird lumps and bumps. Joel Selwood looks like he's been drawn by somebody (laughs) with Parkinson. (laughs) That's exactly right. Um, I just thought maybe we we talked about uh, uh, Jake Lloyd. We should probably like let's let's see if there's like any info on him that we can chase up because I feel like okay that's good. We should learn more about this guy. I mean, I feel like we tried this last time and none of it sunk in. Well, that's well. But, I just figured because he's won his second that maybe there's an interview yeah. on the Swans website or something. Oh, that's good. Yeah, no, no we want to because I just want to know what makes him tick, like. Because even a bunch of people sent us this uh, Damien Barrett sliding doors from last week, which was like, if you don't know who Jake Lloyd is, then, you know, you're not the only one, but he's could be considered one of the greats. Okay. So I mean, I think we got onto that early as well. I'm going to chalk that up. We've got a few things that I think we've identified, right? Richmondy, again, there's some people who argue about where that came from, but, you know, identified, I'm saying, not came up with. Richmondy, yeah. disappointing. Collingwood backs to the wall. Well, we popularized that. We didn't come up with it. Right. No, but that's what I'm saying. Identified, you know. Caleb Daniel being beautiful, I think. Absolutely. That's (laughs) ours. That's but people are catching on to it. Like, this is what I'm saying. We had been speaking about Caleb Daniel being beautiful for weeks and now suddenly it's out there in the media that Caleb Daniel is beautiful. And you're saying that Damien Barrett wrote an article on afl.com.au that mm-hmm. started with, if you don't know who Jake Lloyd is, Charlie, I'm calling that we came up with, we were the first guys who didn't know who Jake Lloyd was. 
Other people are coming in late on not knowing who Jake Lloyd is. We're not knowing who Jake Lloyd is. That's we were thing. early adopters of not knowing who he was. Well, I found an article here. This could be very interesting because this is actually from six years ago. Uh, at the early stages of his career, this is in the Herald Sun, written by our two guys, one cup favourite, Mark Robbo Robinson. Firstly, the idea he's been playing for six years surprises me. <laughs> The headline, and it's a long headline, so clearly Robbo wrote this in a, in, a, in a dazed stupor, just slamming away at his keyboard, just banging his fists away on a keyboard. This is the headline, Will, mind you, not the first paragraph, the headline. Few men have worked harder to pull on an AFL jumper than Sydney Swans midfielder Jake Lloyd. Hang on, that's not headline. a headline. That's the headline? That's, the headline. that's like the yes. first three pars. Okay, so uh, it's 3am and Jimmy opens the back door at the Horsham house. The home is familiar but foreboding in a shadowy silence. Jimmy walks through the family room, which is just off the kitchen, into the hallway. Hang on. Is this Mark Robinson or is this some more cunt fan fiction? <laughs> no, it sounds like cunt fiction, doesn't it? It's Lloyd fiction. Uh, uh, so uh, Jimmy walks through the family room, which is just off the kitchen, into the hallway, past the bathroom and into the bedroom of 13-year-old Jake Lloyd. Do you feel like Robbo was being paid by the fucking word? For this article, there are so many words in this that don't need to be there. I think he's trying to create a sense of atmosphere. Jimmy taps him awake. Jake rolls out of bed and they go to the shed. Now, look, if we went no further than this, I only read you this This was evidence to a royal commission. (laughs) This story could go one of two ways. When an older man wakes a 13-year-old up at 3am and takes him to the shed. (laughs) Takes him to the shed. Jimmy is a family friend of Lloyd's. Oh, no. Shut up. So hang on, you're saying that Jake Lloyd's parents were happy for fucking old Jimmy to come over and Jimmy open the door and then wake up Jake and take him to the shed at three o'clock in the morning. He's also a fitness guru. Oh, okay. The <laughs> he's weapon. A fitness, is fitness guru like saying tennis coach? Is that code for tennis coach, which is code for what we all know? That 100%. He was a PE teacher. He was a Russian gymnast teacher. He's also a fitness guru, a specialist, if you like, whose profession was not allowed to be known. Neither was his surname. What? Let's say they are classified. <laughs> no, shut this up. true. <laughs> Tony Lloyd, Jake's father, lets Jimmy come and go, be it 3am, 10am or 9pm. He's the strongest and hardest man I've ever seen. He's super oh special, God. Tony says. I would, if you think he's the hardest man you've ever seen, don't let him into your son's bedroom at 3am. <laughs> That's my advice. I am. Jimmy. whose whose last name can't be printed for legal reasons. Okay, he's the strongest and hardest man I've ever seen. He's super special, Tony says. In the shed, don't call it a gym, it's the shed, says Tony. Jake starts a rigorous one-hour floor and boxing circuit. He'll do it twice a day for 20 consecutive days with Jimmy pricking him. Oh, Jimmy. (laughs) With commands... And encouragement. Okay, now I've got to send you a photo here of Jimmy, and I'm this. I'm just going to send you this without comment because I think your reaction has his face been pixelated out for legal reasons. Look, you'll just when you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. All right, uh, I'm going to have oh, <laughs> now describe that for people. Okay, so at home. so the Jimmy. <laughs> 
is um, wearing a white, uh, slightly too tight Wayne Carey style T-shirt. Uh, a white T-shirt that accentuates how muscular Jimmy is. Jimmy has on one shoulder a boxing yeah, bag. You know, bag. the way that you would take your boxing bag, a heavy bag, and then just lug it on your shoulder. But those two things. Oh, he's also wearing a pair of grey tracksuit pants. Easy to slip oh, off. Jimmy. But so... None of those things are the remarkable thing about this photograph, which has clearly been taken in the shed. Don't call it a gym. What does it look like, Charlie, by the way? Uh, okay. So, oh, yeah. The, 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 so, the uh, don't call it a gym. It's a shed. Looks like a gym. <laughs> it's a giant. It looks exactly like a gym. It's a giant. Co- co- it's like a CrossFit gym. There's just a bunch of TRX ropes and heavy bags and speed bags and weights everywhere. It looks exactly like a gym. <laughs> It looks more like a gym than many gyms I've been to in my life. If you went to a hotel and the gym was this good, you'd be in the best hotel in the country. So, But none of that is the remarkable thing about this photograph. The remarkable thing about this photograph, and we're going to have to publish this with the episode because people won't believe us, but Jimmy is wearing what I can only imagine is being used for the purposes of like some sort of oxygen, you know, sort of high training. altitude kind of thing. Like, yeah, high altitude, creating a, an atmosphere of high altitude so that you can do altitude training. But it is like, it is an end of the world gas mask. It is a full yeah. leather face mask with some sort of ventilator on it that you would wear in some post-apocalyptic or sex dungeon style yes. scenario. Yes, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Post-apocalyptic or some fetish party. <laughs> like it is a rubber gas mask. Like if that guy, if you ran into that dude and he was like, yeah, I'm on the way to Mardi Gras, you'd be like, I love this whole look. If you ran into that guy and he's like, yeah, I'm on uh, my way to a 13-year-old's bedroom, (laughs) you'd call (laughs) the cops. And then I'm going to take him to the shed, not a gym. Uh, Robbo continues, it's part of the making of Jake Lloyd, the swan who will play in tonight's preliminary final. Jimmy's job and Tony's was to get Jake prepared for the AFL. It was about pushing the body and the boundaries of pain threshold. It was about squats and push-ups and burpees and sit-ups and fists on the speedball and doing it all again and again. It was about blanking out agony and fatigue while keeping the motor skills. It was about sprints and circuits on land at the back of the house. It was about running up near Mount Arapiles or Arapiles. It was about eating right, sleeping well and never saying no. Jake, let me speak to 13-year-old Jake. You can always say no. You can always say no, mate. If you're uncomfortable with any of this, please say no. If you feel like you're not able to say no, please send us a signal. I love this line from Robbo. Some people would call it it maniacal, perhaps Spartan. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. No, they wouldn't. Just maniacal, not Spartan. No, yeah. Some people might speculate it was some sort of weird sex dungeon. (laughs) The more you sweat in training, the less you bleed in battle, says Jimmy. Oh, yeah. I do not not like Jimmy's pillow talk. I don't think that's true either. I'm pretty sure you can bleed just as much, even if you sweat in training. But not once did Jake ever say no. God, no. He knew what it would take to become an AFL player, and that's to be a great athlete, Jimmy says. The mentality is to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. There are many, many stepping stones to get to that. But it's about getting to a mentality where you get comfortable with what normal people call pain and a, th- uh, and a threshold and a barrier. You just have to push yourself. You to- know what? Here's the thing. Like, I know that like we're extending this joke about it being a dodgy situation. <laughs> However, 
That's grooming. What we're literally describing is somebody grooming another person, gaslighting them to the point where they think that this normal is actually normal. That's right. You've just got to push yourself to be harder, faster, stronger, and fitter. A lot of it is emotional fitness. Yeah, you're right. It's absolutely gaslighting. (laughs) The body is the weakest thing in mankind. It's always going to take the easy option. If your legs get sore, you sit down. If you're tired, you sleep. Yeah, fuck. There's a scientific yeah, it's almost reason like your body is things. set up to give you those warnings because it needs those things. If you're hungry, you eat. If you can say, no, yeah. I'm tired, but I'm going to train today and push myself, you're going to get mentally stronger. Mm, this all seems like a great thing to be doing to a 13-year-old kid. I've spoken many times to Jake about this. You know what? Like, I don't know much about recruiting or talent identification, but I'm sure there's a bunch of 13-year-olds who you know, in junior footy are absolutely dominant and look like the next big thing and stuff like that. But then other people catch up to them in the age. For a 13-year-old to commit to this grueling, this Spartan, perhaps maniacal training regime, you'd want to get it. You'd want to be an AFL player at the end of it. Otherwise, what the fuck happened to my teens? Of course he's won two fucking best and fairest. I'm surprised he hasn't won more. I've spoken many times to Jake about this. And that's why I said, God, no, he knows what I'm like. He wouldn't say no to me. I'm not being arrogant, but I know his capabilities and I would not put up with him saying no. He never said no when I woke him up. He never said, I'm done, Jimmy. Again, this sounds like testimony. (laughs) Out the back on the lawn, there's probably burn marks from all the vomit. Oh, God. He's 13. Again, 13 years old. I'll tell you what, by the end of this podcast, you're going to see vomit at my end. (laughs) I think I'm going to throw up by the time we get to the end of this article. I'd have him on his hands and knees every session, dry retching, vomiting. And if I told him to get up, he'd get up. Robbo asks, he never refused? He wouldn't bother. If he's got energy to whinge, he's got energy to push. (laughs) Good parenting. That's what I'll say. (laughs) Really good parenting. I hope you're you're taking notes. I hope that after this, you read this article to Gemma. Now, I'll just remind you, Will, that Jimmy doesn't have a surname. Jimmy may not even have a known address. Jimmy is essentially a stranger coming in, getting your son on his, waking your son up at 3 a.m., getting him in the backyard on his hands and knees and making him vomit. Jimmy, last name redacted. <laughs> Jake is now 20 and will play game number 20 tonight against North Melbourne. So we extrapolate. He, uh, Jake is now 26 or 27. When you watch him tonight, watch his work ethic. Watch him run and make second and third efforts. Ask yourself why Jake Lloyd is getting a game when Tom Mitchell cannot. <laughs> well, you can tell this article was written in 2014 because, uh, yeah, yeah, you may have a couple of best and fairest, Jake, but Tom Mitchell's won a Brownlow. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Robo. Yeah, and I bet you, let's, let's find out if Tom Mitchell had some nameless coach waking him up at 3 a.m. and making him vomit in the back lawn. I'd like to think that Tom Mitchell has this article on his wall. <laughs> You know, that, that, that's what motivated him to win the Brownlow. In fact, I would have liked in his Brownlow speech if he brought up, you know what really got me? Was I read this article by, uh, by, by uh, Mark Robbo Robinson about some poor 13-year-old kid who had Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> ask yourself why Jake Lloyd is getting a game when Tom Mitchell cannot. And ask yourself if it was all worthwhile for the 13-year-old to get out of bed at 3 a.m. and hit the speed ball. Um, okay, so there's a big fo- there's a photo of a 13 year old Jake Lloyd playing a game, a sport. What other sport do you think Jake Lloyd was talented at? 
Uh, Jake Lloyd. Pretty common for a footballer. Basketball. No, this is a... Yes. Tony Lloyd was a decent footballer. He was recruited to Essendon from Garoke near Horsham and played under-19s and reserves with Mark Thompson, Mark Harvey and Paul Salmon from 79 to 81. Hampered by knee injuries, he never made it to the big time. He learned lessons, though, including during one year under Kevin Sheedy. Tony speaks with a country drawl and a matter-of-factness. He's 50 with a dose of self-confidence and a double dose of wisdom. <laughs> oh, I reckon Robbo's halfway through the bottle at this stage. I think Robbo would be micro-dosing all day. I got to Melbourne from a small country town. I didn't know you had to be fit and strong, be in a gym. I never had any of that in the country town, he said. He vowed that if any of his boys were good enough to play AFL and wanted it enough, he would prepare them by hiring a complete stranger to torment his son. <laughs> In the middle of the night. And also, I had this mate, Jimmy, who was on the run from the law. Jake is, to- Jake is Tony and wife Wendy's eldest boy. There's also Paige and Billy and Matthew. Jake was a pipsqueak as a kid. He played mainly basketball before footy, playing at a national level in the under-14s, under-16s and under-17s. Um, it was for the hand-eye coordination, but he was always doing push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, burpees regardless, says Tony. For the boys, the shed was as much a part of life as the classroom and the footy oval. It's got no mirrors and no bullshit, Tony says. No mirrors no and no cameras, uh, Jimmy's request. Uh, it, to be honest, uh, there's no bullshit and literally because it's a shed on a farm, there's literally no bullshit in there. It's a water bottle and a towel, that's it. You, you sweat, you wipe it off, you drink plenty of water. It's called hard work, mate. Yeah, <laughs> oh God, it's called bloody hard work, mate. If you when want Jake, to fucking be a champion footballer, not afraid of a bit of fucking hard work. You know what Tony is? Tony is the equivalent of a of a stage mum. He's a football dad. He's a guy yeah. who never quite made it himself and has now hired like he's been ruthless in the pursuit of making his son a success. He's standing side of stage, you know, practicing handball drills and stuff like that. He's reliving his his, his failed football career. He goes to every game and on the from the sidelines acts out everything <laughs> yeah. that Jake Lloyd's doing out on the field. When Jake was 13, Tony would build the sessions gradually and let Jimmy take over at Christmas. Don't let yeah. Jimmy come over at Christmas. All right, <laughs> this is Tony's philosophy. You start with the light stuff in the ring, bit of boxing. Again, 13. When they're young, you yeah, bring him the in. The light stuff. Nothing yeah. better than a light-hearted fucking boxing match at age 13. When they're young, you bring him in. And I chuck him back out, a little bit like a horse. Bring him in for a month or two, don't bore him. Get him back out for a month or two, then bring him back in. Yeah. Like I raised horse. my children like I raised my horses. <laughs> I hired another guy called Stevie. He's a little fella. Got him to sit on Jake's back and run him around the backyard, whipping him with a cane. It's good parenting. That's what I call it. Like the horses. Not afraid of a bit of fucking hard work. A typical he wears session metal shoes. A, <laughs> a typical session was a set of 25 pull-ups, 25 dips, 50 sit-ups, 50 push-ups, 25 burpees, and six three-minute rounds on a speedball. And a minute's rest in between. So basically, Tony pioneered uh, F, F54. What's that? No, what's that called? You know, the... F45. F45. F54. <laughs> Sorry, be dyslexic. Most sessions were after F54 school. was that more groovy version that he did. It was a crossover between F45 and Studio 54. Yeah. <laughs> you just take a lot it's of cocaine. Just a lot more psychedelic drugs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but sometimes before school, depends if they need a little extra to get them going when they're a bit lazy, Tony says. Sometimes they were twice daily if you want to get them a little bit faster in a fitness zone. Um, he laughs when, when he says that, prompting a question an hour in the asking 
What does Robbo mean by that? He laughs when he says that, prompting a question an hour in the asking. So Robbo's been sitting on this. Robbo's been sitting on this for an hour. Robbo's been sitting there swaying, starting to get the the shakes because it's been at least an hour since he's been able to have a drink. This question's been eating away at the bottom of his brain. And so this is what Robbo comes up with after an hour. What what time does the pub close? (laughs) Are you a hard bastard? Uh, Are you a hard bastard? Tony re- hey, hey, are you a hard bastard? <laughs> Tony responds, hard but fair. I love my kids. And that's how it is. It gives you strength when you're going to a young age. Kids can get a bit off track. It's good to come home and have a program, give them a little push. They handle it well. I'm not ruthless. I look after them. They're fed well. They sleep well. They eat well. I just hire a little midget to come in around the- and ride them around the backyard like they're little horses. <laughs> they sleep in the stables. With the horses. When they, Again, when they, I've raised my children as horses. <laughs> my favourite song, my lullaby I sing to them is Daryl Braithwaite's The Horses. When they're good, they get a cube of sugar. Um, yeah. we, have five, <laughs> we have five Ps here. Okay. Will, can you oh, guess? Now, okay. it's not five random yep. words. It's a sentence, but each yep. word in the sentence begins with a P. And I'll give you a hint. Yep. Um, Piss poor for performance. Oh. Something pissful. Are you, uh, something preparation. Yep. Piss poor performance. Yeah. Preparation does Porn- what to a piss poor performance? Uh, pornography. <laughs> that's when Jimmy comes around. <laughs> and that's after 3 a.m. <laughs> preparation and porn. Uh, preparation and porn leaves the piss poor performance. Prepar- um, preparation prevents a piss poor performance. So you've obviously heard this saying before. It does. No, I just guessed it almost perfectly. Really? No, no, I yes, okay. I've heard it before. Okay, uh, just be prepared in today's sport. I was. It's 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 one of those classic football like slogans. Like if it is to be, it's up to me. Right. And you know, yeah, pre- pre- preparation prevents piss poor performance. It's <laughs> hard to say. It's a vocal warm up. Also, you don't need the, so that I mean, you, so that. Theoretically, so, so that you're out there on the field, yeah. and you've got good talk in between each other. You've got to do a few vocal warm-ups yeah. in the sheds before. But I reckon you could also just say we have four P's: prevent, uh, preparation prevents poor performance. You don't need the piss poor performance. This is an extra P. You're wasting time even saying that. That's not you know it's not well prepared it's, at all. Somebody was in the me- meeting and they were just like, we need an extra P. <laughs> what else? And someone else is like, P's. Again, we just need an extra P. No. Pneumonia. No, P. Again, Gary. P, P. You keep saying that. P. Piss. P. As in P. Oh, I get it. Right. Yeah. 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 Piss. Yeah. P, P. Uh, Tony says, just be prepared in today's sport. I wasn't prepared for Essendon. So what we're getting here yeah. as an armchair psychologist. Tony's story. Is that yeah. he's. Tony living his dreams through Joe. Yeah. He's all his children. He's punished them all for his inability to take his opportunity back in the day. Jimmy's 20 day. Two sessions a day regimen is reserved for Christmas when Jake returns from Horsham. Merry Christmas, Jake. Welcome home. <laughs> Let's do a 20-day, two-session-a-day regimen in the don't-call-it-a-gym shed. Jimmy gives the extra that's needed, Tony says. It will be hard, but when they go to an AFL club, they can do the running the repeat, and then repeat it the following day and repeat it the following day after that. It's mental toughness, mate. Sheedy used to judge your mental toughness. Jake was a gun basketballer, a point guard who played at state and national levels. He was too small, a lot of the rep coaches said, but Jake would never give in. So he played footy and because of his basketball, what they always say about ex-basketballers at AFL level, well, what skill 
does it give them in particular? Well, they seem to have time. They seem to have more time than the yeah, other players. So they, um, it's a the analogy is um, uh, it's, it's it's a driving analogy. Oh, um, that they. Oh no, I don't know the driving analogy. I was going to say that they have good lateral movement. What is the driving analogy? Good in traffic. Oh yeah, good in traffic. That's right. No, you're right. Good in traffic. <laughs> Well, he, it was the, uh, do you think that Jake Lloyd is being undervalued? Because Scott Pendlebury's name can't be mentioned without the idea that he used to be a champion basketball player. But is Jake Lloyd getting that in the commentary? Does every time Jake Lloyd gets the ball, do they say, well, that's probably because he was an ex-champion basketballer? I think maybe not because Christian Petrarca has, seems to have taken that narrative. It's now Christian Petrarca is the new ex-basketballer. Uh, good in traffic. But is it like Highlander? Can there be only one? Surely everyone is... <laughs> I who's... think so. Oh, okay. No, it's kind of like... I mean, sure, there's lots of superheroes who have super speed, but there's only one Flash. Like, you've got to have, make one guy the kind of prototypical ex-basketballer come footballer. Right, yeah. You don't describe Superman and say he's really fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of the many skills he possesses. Uh, Jake was a gun footballer. And he was fortunate. For seven of the past eight seasons, he's played in a premiership team, including one as a 15-year-old for Horsham Seniors in 2009. Of course he's played for Horsham Seniors in 2009, like when he's still playing under-15s because he's fucking like fitter than every person in the entire area of Horsham. I love this. Uh, Robbo opens this next paragraph with a stupid question, but yeah, no it's doubt. like Robbo. <laughs> Let's ask Jared about that. I mean, stupid. Do you start every stupid question with a stupid question? Because AFL 360 would need to go for an hour and a half just for all the times you have to say a stupid question. A uh, stupid question, but was Jake ready to play with men at 15? Oh, he was definitely ready, said Tony. He'd been playing with a, a grown man since yeah. the age of 13. Playing with a grown man in the shed for fucking years. He'd done a lot of work, done a lot of preparation. I told him to keep his feet and the senior players would look after him. And they did. He was frightened. But he wasn't frightened. He had good awareness, Jake. He was small, but he was a strong kid because of all the work he'd done in the shed. He had huge self-belief and he was mentally strong. All the preparation has helped him. He's on time, always there, never late. Every clock in the Lloyd house, save for the master bedroom, is set half an hour forward in time. So the boys are always ready on time, says Tony. <laughs> this fucking guy... Needs to see a psychologist. He needs to get. He needs to make peace. Also, if every clock in your house is set half an hour forward, that just becomes the new way yeah. you measure time. Time is just something like daylight. That's daylight. <laughs> Essentially, you've just put daylight savings into your house. Before Jimmy got a hold of Jake, and now uh, before before Jimmy got a hold of Jake, and Jimmy now works with Billy and Matthew. That's the the brothers. Tony would have the boys running up Mount Arapilles at six a.m. You've got to get out of your comfort zone sometimes. There are times when you've got to do things when you don't want to do them. If you're going to be a professional sportsman, you just got to do it. He admits his regiment is not the norm. It's a little different. What I love about this article about Jake Lloyd is we have not heard from Jake Lloyd, probably because he's too busy vomiting on the front lawn. They do it because they want to do it. For an it's hour not- and a half, Robbo's just looking at Jake vomiting out the window going, I'll be with you in a minute, mate. <laughs> it's a little bit different. They do it because they want to do it. It's not pushed on the boys. They saw me do it at a younger age. No, it doesn't sound like it at all. The 3 no. the three a.m. wake-ups. No, it doesn't sound like it's pushed on them at all. Sounds like they're doing definitely something every 13-year-old boy is doing of their own accord. I was always out in the shed. I took them out there with me on the bags. <laughs> Hang on, Ricky <laughs> Nixon's on the bags in the shed? Yeah. 
<laughs> and then we get on the floor and we have a bit of fun. <laughs> that sentence it's... out of context. No, everyone likes to get on the bags and then get on the floor. I took him out to the shed with me. We get on the bags, get on the floor, we have a bit of fun. And Cousins is involved now. I always have a kick of the footy with him afterwards. Jake made his debut with the Swans in round four against Fremantle. He only had three kicks and a handball. Two weeks later against Brisbane, he had 15 kicks, eight marks and 14 handballs. Jesus Christ. The Swans had a keeper. It took him time to get there. Jake nominated for the 2011 National Draft and sat in the family room and watched it unfold. His name was not called out. Oh, Jesus, can you imagine? <laughs> oh, fuck it. All that training. Imagine that. After all that training you've done, all that hard work, every 3 a.m. in the fucking shed, and then suddenly you don't get drafted. Like, this is almost the story of how you should not abuse your child to pursue some dream to fulfill your fucking fantasies that they're not actually prepared for. Luckily, we know it turns out well, so we can enjoy this, but fuck Tony says, I remember he shook his head, got up, went out into the shed, smashed out a workout, and came back and ringing wet, Tony says. He said, they won't beat me. I'll do it next year. <laughs> That's what we call Stockholm Syndrome. This kid lost his any any sense of perspective. His dad's like, they won't beat you, but I'm about to beat you. Get my switch. <laughs> In 2012, Jake moved to Ballarat to focus full-time with the Rebels. He was full tilt. He was up at 5 a.m. every day and worked at a laundry full-time so he could tra- train and play with the Rebels. So he could technically be both the laundry steward for the club and also the fucking gun player for the club. That would be amazing if we found out that Jake Lloyd is not only the twice best and fairest of the Sydney Swans, but also does all the jumpers on away games. The property steward. Well, I guess, you know what it is? Like in the hub. Because in the same way Mitch Robinson had to become the hairdresser because they couldn't get out to the hub, is there a chance that Jake Lloyd's like, it's okay, guys, I've got this. Chuck us your socks. He nominated for the 2012 draft and again was overlooked. I can remember that day too, Tony says. He was angry. He went straight out to the shed and smashed it again. <laughs> okay, so he got overlooked two drafts in a row. Yeah. And each time we'd go out into the shed and just smash it. Six weeks later, Essendon interviewed him and Adelaide visited him. Sydney selected him from the rookie draft with number 16, selection 16. In between the drafts... So he's a rookie. He's a rookie... Selection 16, and he's just won his second best and fairest, which yeah. is just fucking an amazing story in and of itself. It's an amazing story. In between the draft and the rookie draft, there were four to six weeks, and he went berserk for a month every day, Tony says. Clearly, Tony is proud of the boy and pays no mind to the small talk in Horsham that he's a touch eccentric, if not crazy. <laughs> If people in Horsham have agreed you're the crazy one. You're the crazy one. Nah, just hard, mate. Just bloody hard. Well, Tony responds. Hard but fair. People do say it, but they don't understand what you're actually doing for your children. It's not just about footy. It's for general life, he says. If you want to get through the hurdles in life, you push yourself a little bit further than the next person. Jake did it. The kids are doing it. Jake's still doing it. To me, it's a great family thing. We're humble about it. We keep it simple. And Jake is living his dream. Yeah, that's true. Or my dream, as I like to call it. <laughs> um, gee, that was longer than we thought. I was going to get to some cunt fiction, but we, we're going to do a shorter episode tonight because it's a bit late. So what I think we'll do is we'll save the next installment of cunt fiction. There was no mail this week, Will, but I do have one pocket profile that I wanted to read to you. So let's finish with a, a pocket profile pocket. 
and then we'll give our tips for the big day. Um, it's probably worth reminding people that there are still tickets available for our post-grand final Zoom show with the guys from Junk Time AFL. Uh, so traditionally, um, the Sunday after the grand final, we'll do a live show, but obviously with everything that's going on, that's not possible. But we are doing a Zoom show and tickets are available at trybooking.com. There'll be a link in the episode description. It'll be fun, won't it, Will? Yeah, and the, yes, there are like an amount of tickets still available. So if you're listening to this and you want to see us do our post-grand final wrap and why wouldn't you it's not uh too expensive but you do have to buy a ticket and uh they are limited tickets and most people won't hear that episode for a little while as well so well i don't think that's the case anymore michael texted me oh. last night and he's like you know what <laughs> let's just put it out normally like we would yeah, okay. so. well we'll put the episode out but maybe we'll make the video available at another yes. time so if you want yeah. to see the video um the best way to do that is to buy uh, join us for our live zoom show on sunday and um oh, i think it'll be really cool fun so i definitely think it'll be if you like this podcast um you probably listen to their podcast as well and it's always such a fun day and we've uh, got a couple of good guests in mind as well i think it'll just be a really fun show um all right this pocket profile is for the melbourne player marty right. hall never heard of him all right. He was drafted. I didn't know her. I hadn't heard of him either before. I, I think it's Marty Sex Worker, by the way, I think <laughs> these days. He was drafted in 2018. I believe he played 14 games in his debut season. Uh, but I think he has not played a game this year. He may be injured. All right. Okay. Marty Hoare. Let's get into it. Any pregame superstitions or routines? Now, yes. It's an ex- Play in the reserves <laughs> before the game. <laughs> Go smash out a set of fucking burpees at 3 a.m. with Jimmy. <laughs> All right. It's, um, it's something he eats and it is an a object breakfast? that you may purchase while stoned at the service station. As you are paying for your petrol, you might grab a bag of these on your oh, way out the door. I eat a bag of Doritos. Sweet. Oh, a, a, it's it's a it's an odd adaptation of a popular chocolate bar. Oh, um, a bag of uh, oh uh, no, I don't know. It's what we're doing now, Will. We are recording a show, podcast, uh, pods. Oh, pods, a packet of pods. Yeah, a packet of Mars pods before a game. Okay. Greatest individual effort you've seen on the footy field. It's a um, classic grand final moment from the from the two thousands. Probably one of the most famous. This the smother from the St Kilda. No, earlier than that, mid two thousands. Oh, um, very famous bit of commentary accompanied this moment. Uh, no, it was a famous know. mark in the two thousand. No, just help me. Leo Barry's grab in two thousand and five grand final. Oh, Leo yeah, Barry, of you star. Yeah, uh, no, you're a player right. from another team you'd love to play with. And my hint for this is that I imagine this guy would also grab a couple of bags of Mars pods quite regularly. Uh, <laughs> he was on the way out from the server. Jeremy McGovern. <laughs> Jeremy McGovern. Oh my God, really? Yes. <laughs> um, what's the best rule in football? Uh, this is a rule that uh, I imagine defenders would like. Um... The best rule... It has to do with restart it, restart a play. Oh, uh, the um, the no uh, goal square, the whatever, whatever that's called. Play on from the play goal square the to goal kick squares. out. What's the worst rule in footy? Deliberate out of bounds. Hands in the back. Oh, yeah. That's uh, a defender. How many games does Marty Sex Worker watch each weekend? Uh, I'm going to say five. Lower. Three. Yes. 
what's his favourite footy show? And don't stuff this one up. You got you, you bloody missed an obvious one last time. The front Get it right. No, that's exactly <laughs> what you said last time. It's not on anymore, sadly. It's no longer on air. Uh, the Mangrook Footy Show. Mangrook Footy Show. Who is his favourite commentator and why? And I don't even know. I know who this guy is. Hang on. It's not a uh, not one of the big famous commentators. I'll see if I can find some info on him. Is Marty Hoare Indigenous? Don't think so. Okay. Um. Okay. I've found this guy. I don't even, I've, he's, he, he appears to be a Channel 7 commentator, but I have no idea who this is. His first name's Nigel. Oh, I, Nigel, no, I, no idea. Yeah. Nigel Carmody? Okay, sure. No, nah, I don't know who that is. Okay. What's his favourite meal the night before a game? Pasta. Yes. <laughs> um, which teammate should appear on the next series of The Bachelor? Um, what could I say about this guy? Has a brother who plays for another team. Um, uh, oh, um, uh, old mate, uh, who's the who's the Melbourne captain? Nathan Jones, Angus Brayshaw, and I believe Jack Viney is the captain of Melbourne. <laughs> oh well, he was the former captain. Former captain. Yeah. Um, which teammate belts out your club theme with a the most gusto? Nathan Jones. No. <laughs> um. Uh, Jack he's, uh, used to play for another team. Braden Proust. New. No. Um, no, he wouldn't be playing. Um, I imagine uh, this guy would jack the team up quite well. <laughs> jack the team up quite well. Um, I imagine he would boost them. I imagine he would raise them with a bit of... <laughs> I love, I, for people at home who, of course, can't see, the action that Charlie is doing with his arm is much like that guy who got caught masturbating in a Zoom meeting when he thought it was muted. I'm having my own version of that on Skype right now as you do some sort of pirate masturbating fucking signal that's like, who is it? I'm miming, I'm miming levering something up. Oh, it's okay. Jake Lever. That was a terrible, terrible clue. Uh, good answer. The one before about Leo Barry was an excellent clue. That <laughs> was a terrible clue. That's a lever. That's the best thing. Like you, you, didn't, you couldn't go with the fact that he left his other club. How about that? That would have been a good fucking clue. Jack, Jake Lever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's good, actually. Okay, what's his favorite? Um, all right. It, the question is, what is his favorite Netflix series? And his answer is... We often, in the Pocket Profile Pocket, encounter an answer in which the player sounds like they are an emo 15-year-old. So, favourite Netflix series, Will? Um, uh, ten, ten Reasons to... Ten, uh, uh, emo 15-year-old. No, think more emo. What an emo say if you say, hey, mate, uh, what's your favourite oh, Netflix series? I don't watch TV. Never seen one. <laughs> Okay, Apple Music or Spotify? Spotify. Yes. Does he play Fortnite? Uh, yes. Yeah, no. Yeah. Okay, now the big question. <laughs> Favourite comedian? Carl Barron. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, this man has very recently uh, was all across the socials. Alex Shooter Williamson. Alex Shooter Williamson. I guess uh, little uh, Marty sex worker is probably a younger 
football. You know what the sense. funny thing is about that? Is that I was literally going to say Alex Shooter Williamson, probably oh, really? because he's been all across the socials, but there was just part of me that I didn't even know if it was a joke that I was making, but I was going to say Alex Shooter Williamson. Okay. Um, what is his favorite animal and why? And I think someone will, with your history, your background, could probably identify with this. Uh, a cow because he loves steak. Oh, close. Dairy cows because they make milk. That, I, yeah, I'm taking that as a win. <laughs> uh, his favourite section of the AFL record um, has come up before in other pockets. Uh, other pockets. Uh, the spot the difference. Spot the difference. <laughs> <laughs> I love that predictable AFL play. So. Um, okay, now keeping in mind that his favourite animal is a dairy cow, yeah. um, what's his favourite possession? And it is a uh, something that you would need on the farm. Um, he something he needed a pair of gum boots, mm, bigger. Uh, tractor, a tractor, mm, smaller. Motorbike, yeah, <laughs> uh, bigger. <laughs> You're in the U. right. Yeah, it's a U. U. It's a U. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best gift you've received. You were just there before. The, the, uh, the U. Motorbike. Uh, <laughs> motorbike. <laughs> motorbike. Okay, if you won Tats Lotto. What would he buy? And I have no idea what this is. But if you just give me, if you just tell me the what the thing is, it's a, it's another it's a, a vehicle of some type, some sort of boat. Yes, a Malibu response boat. So I'm just googling what that is. It appears to be a speedboat. Okay, he would buy. <laughs> I've just I've just put Malibu response boat into Google, and the first shot that comes up is a bunch of girls in very small bikinis <laughs> on a speedboat. So right. Hey, Jim, I'm still doing the podcast. Yeah, Yeah, the football podcast. (laughs) Uh, Your favourite holiday destination? He would have loved this year. So it's somewhere in Australia? Yeah, it's in Australia. It would have been, like, if he'd actually played a senior game this year, then close. Uh, Noosa. Yeah, what's the the better Gold Coast? (laughs) Noosa. Um, Okay, the most famous person you've met, and it's a teammate. Kristen Prachaka. Jared Rivers. Who's the most famous person you'd like to meet? Athlete uh, has come up many times in the pocket profile pocket. LeBron James. Not LeBron. Different sport. But also the, uh, the, the, probably the best player in, in that chosen field. Roger Federer. Roger Federer. <laughs> Dream job if you weren't a footballer. And the hint being that he has mentioned this before. It sort of relates back to Things he likes. Speedboat driver. No. <laughs> think lower your sights. Think more about your history. Uh, I, to have his own farm. Dairy farmer. He'd love to be a dairy farmer. And what's his dream place in the world to live? Fits in with this theme. The, the dairy farm, some sort of farm. Country uh, Victoria. Country Victoria. Country with the Victoria. occasional visit to Noosa. <laughs> In my ute and my bloody speedboat and my bikini-laden speedboat. Eating eating pasta in the back of my speedboat, living the fucking dream. (laughs) All right, so we're going to wrap it up. Uh, We're going to give our tips and then uh, we'll end it there. Uh, We will get to the end of uh, Cunt Fiction. There's so much to go. In fact, uh, we're going to be doing the two guys, one cup AFL, uh, junk time AFL 
um, a grand final show. But we'll also do a, a regular episode next week where we yeah. delve into the grand final a bit more and, and maybe make a bit more of a headway into cunt fiction. Um, yeah. Most importantly, but, we'll talk about other things other than the football, as we did in this one. <laughs> but we need to wrap those things up, I guess. I guess. Okay, so uh, Will, who's going to win the grand final for 2020? Geelong. I believe Geelong as well. What's your reasoning? Don't really know. I think that I just want Geelong to win. Um, so I think that's what it is. No, I think that if Geelong win, it'll be a more entertaining game. Because, like I said, that'll mean that probably Ablett's played well, that Dangerfield's kicked some goals, that Hawkins played well if they win. I'm just more excited about what it looks like if they win than I am excited about Richmond. But Richmond could definitely win. In fact... The, the rational part of me would say that Richmond probably does win, but I just think oh, I'm going to say Geelong. I'm exactly the same. The rational part of me says that Richmond will win. They're just, uh, they've been here before. They're well drilled. But I just think there's something about Geelong having something to prove. And like you say, a lot of players could be their last games. I just feel like Geelong are going to win. So I'm going to tip the Cats as well. So looking forward to Richmond <laughs> making it three out of the last four. Exactly. Making us look like fucking idiots again. Uh, you can go to our website in fact actually because the mailbag was a bit light this week if you've got any burning questions you'd like us yeah. to answer next week we'll be looking for some content so you can email us by going to tofop.com exactly as we wrap up the season what things yeah. do you want to know about this season go to tofop.com uh, there's a contact form at the bottom of the splash page and while you're there why don't you sign up for the uh, tofop newsletter so you sign up you'll get first notice about things we're doing like the live show like the, the zoom show um, and you'll also get sort of a roundup of all the other pods we do during this week and we have uh, uh, heaps of other pods we've got tofop we've got a great one that came out uh, yesterday which is where we analyze the lyrics of in the air tonight the phil collins classic for about as long as we read a jake lloyd article on today's episode of this <laughs> if, if that's the, if that's your thing and uh who's on philosophy this week well uh kirsten drysdale uh who is a brilliant sort of journalist slash comedian uh who has a new show called reputation rehab coming up uh, and it's an excellent episode, actually. And then next Monday, Jimmy Barnes. So Jimmy Barnes. Jimmy bloody yeah. Barnes. So I'm recording Barnesy on Friday, so that'll come out on Monday. So that's one to watch out for as well, I'm sure. All right, so go to tofop.com to hear some other great podcasts. But for now, play on, not 15. Ball. We are